Right, our text today comes from Luke's story, chapter 10. It's a familiar one. I invite you to hear this word. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And he put them on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. And gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you with whatever more that you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said to the one, he said to Jesus, the one who showed him, excuse me, mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. in prayer. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our heart, and then the living out of these words be wholly acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This feels a little confessional. It also feels a little revealing. This year begins my 25th year in ministry. Wow, that's, yeah, that makes me very old. <laughs> and I have to say, in 25 years, this is the first time that church was ever started with the tango, and I feel like I missed something over 25 years. And those of you who missed it earlier, you missed it. That was pure joy to start worshiping. Maybe you should do it for everyone who's here at the end so they will see it. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> Not only is it 25 years of ministry, I've been attending church regularly for 40 years. So that means I have preached a lot of sermons about love. And not just preached a lot of sermons about love, I've heard a lot of sermons about love. So when I got the Google Doc shared with me and said, this is Love Sunday, I was like, oh wow, here we are again. When my childhood pastor retired, I was still in high school and I remember he preached a sermon and the, his last sermon at our church, he'd been there 17 years, and his sermon was, his title was, You Can't Retire from Love. I thought that was powerful. My dad and his wife got married during a worship service, and the sermon title was Make Love, which I thought was really risque at the time, right? Really risque, and I always remembered it. But his whole sermon was that love's not an emotion, right, like the Hallmark cards, but actually love is action and, and something that you um, do. I was at a preaching, um, like, workshop um, 
it's called the Festival of Homiletics. It's the most amazing conference I ever went to in ministry where you hear like the best of the best over an entire week and you just literally they, they preach a sermon and then they talk about sermon craft and then they preach another sermon and then they talk about sermon craft. And one of the women who preached as the uh, professor at Duke, which is a Methodist seminary, and her name is Lauren Weiner. And Lauren Weiner preached this sermon um, about 1 Corinthians 13 and talked about how it was always so hard to hear 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the love chapter, the one that we like to read it at weddings and so forth. It goes something like this, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, it does not rejoice on wrongdoings, but rejoices in the truth that believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And she talked about her struggle with hearing that scripture over and over and over again in her life because she said, even in my marriage, I don't experience that kind of love all the time, right? Like even in your, with your best friend or relationships, it's hard to experience that self-giving love all the time, that consistency. And so she said, um, maybe another way to frame it is Christ is patient. Christ is kind. Christ is not envious, boastful, arrogant, or rude. Christ does not insist on his own way. Christ is not irritable or resentful. Christ does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Christ has bore all things on our behalf. Christ believes, Christ hopes all things is possible for us and has endured all things. And I thought that was a really interesting way to rethink about that scripture. Um, you can take it with what you'd like with that. I, I, I thought it was helpful. But it's not only the church that has a lot to say about love, right? Like, um, I was driving on the, on the 55 to get, to get here today, and um, what's the, there's the jewelry exchange there, and they've got a huge Cupid and this huge engagement ring and all these hearts. Like, ooh, it's Valentine's Day. Come and see us. I feel like our country is sort of obsessed with love, right? If you, if you do a Google search, which I did this week, if you do a Google search, there's over 8 billion, I had to count them out because, you know, like how many zeros is that, right? 8 billion references to love on Google alone. There's over 83 million songs with the word love in it, and 10 million websites have something to do with finding true love. If you haven't found any, there's all these different sites and apps that are going to help you find that person, right? You just got to swipe, I don't know, left or right. I don't know which one it is these days. And the, the fact is there's even websites that you can, it's called lovecalculator.com. You can go in and put all your information. And it's going to calculate your likeliness of, like, making it, right? <laughs> As if there's really a true formula. I, I personally think love is one of the most overused words in the English language, right? Like, I love your shirt. I love your jacket. My wife today stayed home, um, not because she's super busy, but she's getting ready for the Super Bowl tonight. We're having a party and with our friends coming over, and she's been a Chiefs fan for like the last 25 years. So she would sit here and say, I love the Chiefs. And I'm like, is that the same way you love me? Like, is that the same way you love our children or your grandparents? Like, I feel like there's a di there has to be a different word, right? Because the love that you feel for another human, a friend, a spouse, is really different than, you know, your new Gucci purse or whatever you decide that you love. I feel like we're sort of really obsessed with love. And this text is such a familiar text, right? The Good Samaritan and that 
that greatest commandment, love God with all. I, I like to just sum it down to love with God with what, all you have, right? With all you've got, with all you have to offer. And then, you know, the thing that, that, the, the one that really gets missed, I think, is that second part, right? Like, oh, how do we love God? Let's do that. But then that's that second one of, well, you love God by loving your neighbor as yourself, right? So there's that, that implication of self-love and self-awareness and self-care in that scripture, right? That comes from the Old Testament. That comes from the old laws of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. That uh, You can't just love God and ignore the rest of yourself or the rest of humanity. In seminary, um, in one of my theology books, it said it's not love God and love your neighbor. It's love God by loving your neighbor. And I've always found real wisdom in that, right? Like, because how do you love God? Okay, so you pray and you, you know, you do all the things, but then you're, you're a jerk, like, and, and, and you're not kind to people, but you go to church and you give and you pray and you read the text. So for me, I find real wisdom in the, it's not love God and love your neighbor as if they're separate, right? It's how you are connecting with one another. And you know, this, this scripture is super familiar, right? The, and, and just a little bit of framework, if we go back, Jesus had just sent out the 70 to start their ministry and they come back and I, and I reread it again this week and it says they came back excited, right? They come back excited. And I'm like, yeah, let's see how you feel after 25 years. <laughs> you come back so excited, but also a little bit anxious and a little bit skeptical and, and all the other things that come with it. And then, and then maybe because of the popularity and the, the 70 that brought back more with them, right? And this, this movement is starting to expand. A lawyer goes up to Jesus and is like, okay, but like, really, what do I have to do? Like, what is... What do I really have to do? Right? It's like that stump question. And I feel like that happens to me at the beginning. Or do I have any teachers out here? I think a couple of you are teachers, right? So it's like at the be very beginning of the school year and you pass out your syllabus. And there's that one student that raises their hand like, but really what, what do I, what's the least I have to do? Like what do I actually have to do to do well in your class, right? It's like that, that bare minimum. Well, what, what does that mean exactly? Like I'm an AP teacher and so I have students that are like, uh, and if, if you get a three, then it's possible you're going to get college credit, right? Your goal is a five, but three, four, five. So I have students that will be like, the first week of school, they'll be like, well, I'll just be happy if I get a two. I'm like, what? You're going to do all this work all year long, and you're going to be happy with a two and not really do the work to get that three or four or five, so you never have to take European history or government in college ever again? And they kind of look at me like, yeah, I just don't want to be one of those one students, right? But that question the lawyer asks is really the same question as, right, what my students ask. What do I have to do? Like, what's the minimum I have to do? I remember the, the story in the text of the, of the rich, young uh, man, right? But Jesus is like, he's like, well, what else do I have to do? And he's like, well, you have to give up your, your wealth and follow me. And he walked, he, the, the scripture literally says he walked away sad, right? Because that was too much for him. And, and I feel like the lawyer, even though he heard what Jesus said and he got the right answer, I'm sure he walked away sad, like, oh, man, I have to love those people. Right? I have to love those Samaritans. We often use the word love in relationships, right? 
But that comes with a price. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with commitment. It comes with that all-inness that I talked about, right? That, that with all you have, right? And I think when you're in a long-term relationship with something, it's someone, not something, someone, there's that, that real struggle of, okay, I'm all in. And so I have to continue to be all in, right? It's like continuing to choose your partner um, for as long as you both shall live. And this is such a familiar story, but I heard something this week that I think the familiarness of this story makes it more easy to brush over. Like, oh, I remember that from VBS, right? When I was in third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade, my mom used VBS as childcare in the summer. <laughs> um, sometimes I went to multiple VBSs. Anyway, so it just becomes one of those stories where like, oh, the Good Samaritan. But this past week, there was this devastating earthquake, right? In, in Turkey, on the, the border of Turkey and of Syria. And I remember um, I saw my wife's uncle right, uh, right after it happened. He was like, yeah, it's like 2,000. And one week later, I think I heard this morning, it's over 29,000 people have died. How, 33, 33,000. Wow. Well, it just gave me the chills. And then beyond those 33,000, right, it's going to be the crisis that's looming of the homelessness, the starvation, um, the extreme weather that they're trying to survive in. Some families are living in their cars, right? At what point do they run out of money for gas if they're not working and have that reserves? And every single, I'm a news junkie, <laughs> Every single news thing I've heard is from the perspective of Turkey. They're, they're in Turkey. And President Assad of Syria came out and spoke for the first time since the earthquake on Wednesday. And his first words were a condemnation to the West. To saying, where's our help? Why, why are you sending all of this money to Turkey and all this help to Turkey? We have people that are struggling too. Well, the last 10 years, Syria's been in an awful, more than 10, I think it's 11 years now, civil war over him coming up to power, right? Um, and it's, there's been sanctions. Turkey's one of our ally, allies, and Syria's one of Iran's allies, right? And so there's been sanctions against them to try to cripple his efforts to continue the civil war. But I think the people that are suffering are not President Assad. The people are the ones who are, are we the ones walking on the other side of the street because they're Syrian and they're not our allies? Or do they not need the same help as the Turkish people? I don't know. I think it's food for thought for all of us. The love that Jesus describes by this man sacrifices. He takes care of them. He gives money for the future, for the, I always want to do from the hotel person that got left with this injured man and some money. Like, I always want to do from his perspective, like, wait, what? You want me to take care of this person? But it's a sacrificial love, right? It's intentional. 
It's something that pushes us that Jesus is talking about. It's love that, gen, that is generous and stretches us. It's easy to do things that are predictable, right? That are comfortable, that are for our friends, that are for our allies. We like things that are neat and tidy and don't want to draw attention to who the other is that we're helping. But sometimes we have to step out of that comfort zone to be able to extend that sacrificial love to even those who may not do the same for us. That's courageous. That's loving your neighbor. That's loving God. May it be so.